Do you call them jujubes or jujubes? Jujubes. Jujube is a drag queen. Mm. What about jujubes? Or is it jujubes for you? Jujubes. 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 Yeah. I say jujubes. Most people say J U J U B E S. I do the J U B E. No, jujubes. I go jujubes, like double jube. Mm. Okay. That's, I never really thought about it. I think the only one I don't like is Jujube, which I think is garbage. Jujube is a drag queen, so there's no reason that we should be eating her. Well, depends on your proclivities, your interests, <laughs> and uh, theirs. Yeah. Let's take that one back. Could be lots of good reasons. My mom always ate the black ones, like the little black jujube. Oh, they're good. Jujubes. Now I, can, now, now I want to say jujubes. They were her favorites. And, she, and I was like, man, what a trooper, because I thought for the longest time she was doing it because she loved me and she knew that I liked all the other ones and I didn't like those ones. No, she loves black licorice and she would just mow through them. And I just thought like, man, it's the only reason to eat anything black licorice flavored is because you like it. You don't do that for someone else. Nobody takes that bullet. Apparently I'm, I've lost connection to server. Oh, great. (laughs) We're off to a swing and start. Well, let's see what we lost. In my case, it's an apricot dried fell on the ground. Oh, I thought it was a fuzzy peach at first. No, I don't fuck with those. Dried fruit or jujubes if I've really worked that day. Wow. It's a, this is fascinating podcast material. Oh, what type of evening sweet do you prefer? Oh, nothing too sweet. Come on now. I like to go the Asgardian <laughs> route. The Asgardian route, oh, dried God. fruits and nuts. Except uh, nuts are bad for uh, kidney stones. There, Benji. What's bad for kidney stones? Nuts. You're not supposed to have too many like nuts or seeds because it can uh, exacerbate kidney stones. Well, it sounds like some horse shit from big, big kidney. No, I'm telling. That's what when both my parents in quick succession had kidney stones, and my mom was talking to the doctor and the dietitian about and it. And the doctor said, "And don't eat nuts and seeds in bed, or or space them out. Space them out. Have lots of water. Don't." My mom is a cashew fiend. Mm. And the days that she gave up her cashing, cashing, oh my God, cashing, her cashing. cashew cash to me, she looks so sad, Ben. She looks so sad. It's like she was saying goodbye to a friend. Oh, that is sad. A lot of range of emotions with snacks in your mom tonight. Yeah. Cashews. My mom's a good egg. Love her. Jujubes. I want to call them jujubes now. That's ah, fine. Nobody cares. No. Can I talk about how sad I am at how old LeVar Burton is getting? Like, he just posted a picture. Is it like when you haven't seen your parents for a while and then you see them and you're like, oh shit, you're so old. Yes! Like, he posted a picture tonight of him and Brent Spiner, like, hugging or something. And I was just like, fudge, you guys are old! But I just saw you on the TV and you look so young! And then I start panicking because I'm like, what happens? What happens, Ben? I can't lose LeVar. I can't. I know, he just posted a photo three days ago. He looks pretty good still. I mean, yeah, but he doesn't look like he did on Star Trek when he was playing Geordi LaForge. No, most people don't look the way they did like 35 years ago. <laughs> I don't look the way I did 35 years ago. Neither I do I. Two and a half. <laughs> I have changed considerably. Some might say for the worse. <laughs> after, yeah, it's all downhill after two and a half. <laughs> you peaked. Oh, that's so sad. One of my kids is about to turn three. <laughs> Sorry, bud. Nothing left to look forward to. <laughs> Have some cigarettes and salami and apparently cashews. Oh. He's at this interesting age where his 
ability to understand what he's doing and what he's saying has like really like amplified and his understanding of words and his vocabulary has changed. And you can see him really working to choose things. And it's not always what like, you know, an adult would choose, but it's also mostly appropriate. And so the intent gets across and it's just adorable because they, like, you know, this, this small human has chosen some words that absolutely get across what they're trying to say, but just is not quite the way that like, you know, adults form sentences in our language. So it's a really, really, really sweet thing. Oh, it reminded me when my nephew was about his age, he calls my mom Nana and she was cutting up snacks for him and she was cutting up a banana and he sat there in his little like booster seat and he looked at me and he went Nana banana. And I was like, yeah, Nana banana. And he was like, Oh, and my mom laughed and then I laughed and he was like, I made it like just you could see his head was yeah. like I made yeah, a that's joke. exactly this pedal situation yeah. um it's exactly that it's uh it's lovely it's much it preferred is, yeah. to the oh uh I scooped you too many purple stars in your star cereal and so I'm gonna fall on the ground and scream just ragged screaming for like 20 minutes <laughs> and then when I'm asked later why I was so upset I'll say I don't know like, what are you talking about? That was that was hours ago. Every <laughs> other person that's within earshot. Oh my gosh. I mean, this seems about as good of a segue as any. Uh let's hit our theme song and get into the episode. <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, thanks for joining us. This is Dork Matters. Uh, I'm your dad, Dork Ben Wrinkle, and with me tonight, uh, as she is every night that we record this this experimental podcast, <laughs> uh, is uh, Lexi, your traumatized child, Dork. Perfect. And as you have no doubt guessed at this point, uh, we are going to talk about uh, the childhood trauma. Uh, not induced by parents or loved ones or uh, severe events, but by movies that we were given as kids that were supposed to be fun and wholesome and entertaining, um, but, uh, you know, probably fucked us up for life. Oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. Like, to the point that I still wake up some nights and I'm like, why did I watch that? Me too. Let's start with the first one. I got to, uh, I need some parameters, though. Did we decide it was just like kids' movies from our youth, or does it have to be animated specifically? Um, Because that's going to change my list. I have one that is live action, but the rest are all animated. Mine are largely animated, but I've got one live action as well. So here's a little context as we're getting Mm. into this before we hit one of the big ones. I put out a little call on on the Insta, and uh, you know, listeners gave us their traumatic movies from their childhood. And it was basically the same five movies that I have seen absolutely everywhere. Um, So my question is, do you think we're all reading the same like Buzzfeed article, like top five traumatic movies from our youth or, you know, (laughs) the five movies that traumatized every nineties kid, or is it just that they were that 
that awful that we all remember the exact same ones. I think we grew up in Canada with a lot of the people who answered and that we all had access to CBC and YTV. And so that's what was on the TV. So I think for the people... That's interesting because I can think of like a handful of the people that answered are not not Canadian okay. that I know I'm of. I'm going to look at the list here. I don't know. Maybe it was just the era because even like thinking... I think it's the era. Like, there was one movie I was really kind of on the fence about and then I decided no. But then looking at all those movies of that era that were kind of like on the TV, on the regular growing up, like they were messed up. So, okay, if it's not a geographical thing, I'm going to go with just... They thought kids could handle a whole lot more than we actually could. Fascinating. So we're getting some late ones here. Somebody said Garbage Pail Kids. Uh, I did not watch that. Ugh. I feel like it's sort of outside of the realm we're talking here. It's a TV show. But I appreciate uh, the user who sent that in, Jody, Jody Pete. Hmm. And okay, we got another late one that I don't think either of us are going to have on our list. It's Matilda, which if I recall correctly, had some... Some pretty shitty adults in that movie. I can see why that would be traumatizing, oh. but I think I might have been a little too old for that one to make it make it work for me. Yeah. Ah, fresh meat. What are those? What's what, Miss Trunchbull? Hanging down by your ears. You mean my pigtails? Are you a pig, Amanda? No, Miss Trunchbull. Do I allow pigs in my school? My mommy thinks they're sweet. Your mommy is a twit. And you know what? Matilda was like, it was a messed up story. Like, I remember reading it when I was younger and then watching the video of the movie with Danny DeVito. Yeah. Rita Perlman. Is that her name? Rita Perlman? Um, like yeah. It, the story is basically a, a, like child abuse. And it is like, it is not, I found it like disappointing and sad versus like, terrifying and traumatizing um, what's that actor's name the young the young child actor who's in that and was in like everything in the 90s mrs doubtfire oh, as well yeah. had like the bit of the list she she took a step back from um acting i think and now is sort of a a big name on twitter big big sort of i don't know what you'd call somebody who's you're not an influencer on twitter and you're not a pundit you're just a personality know. like a social media okay mara wilson is her name mara mara wilson mara yeah. wilson yeah she's just a, she's a personality a very vocal and progressive personality on mm-hmm. on the Twitter on the internet sphere, so I found that interesting. Yeah, those are those are okay. I definitely see where like Garbage Pail Kids is disturbing for sure. But oh, it's um, gross! It's gross as hell, yeah. and I could see why you'd be traumatized yes. by that. Uh, I'm only poo pooing it because of it not meeting the criteria of being a motion picture. I don't. I I can't say that I know a whole lot about the TV of it. And I didn't watch it personally. Yeah, I had stickers. I, I've seen the cards. Yeah, the, the cards, the stickers, like those types of things. But I remember vividly this one that's a uh, one of the garbage pail kids like picking a zit and it's like popping out of their skin. It's just the most vile <laughs> to me. Blech. Yeah, and you're right. Like looking at the answers from um, our dear wonderful friends online. Yeah, it's like the same couple ones that keep popping up, and for good reason. They are sad AF. All right. Well, you were trying to get us moving, and I think we should. I think we should get into the trauma. Let's work on them together. I imagine most of these are going to be repeated with a few that we are singularly um, experiencing the trauma of, and maybe the other person didn't see. But let's roll. Let's roll with... uh, the big, the big one out of the out of the gate is the brave little toaster. This is one we actually considered doing an entire episode on because it's <laughs> yeah. so fucking sad. Oh. Um, what is the saddest part of the movie? Like a specific scene or something for you? Uh, okay, like I, so I rewatched it this week, 
and I couldn't really pinpoint any one thing that I found more trauma. Like there was just from the get-go when the um, air conditioner has like a freak out and explodes, like, wow, way to hit oh, yeah, the ground yeah. running. And we, we learn about death very, yes. very quickly. These machines have finite existences on top of having been abandoned. Yeah. Right. And then apparently sold with the house or cabin or whatever the fuck that place but was. But it's kind of like a pre Toy Story esque of like the young master wanting to come back and save them, but they're gone. And then it's like homeward. Homeward um, bound a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Which is another very traumatic, sad one. Yes, um, I definitely thought about that one too. But I don't, definitely, like the junkyard scene is upsetting. But then when the blender sure. is taken apart for its motor to be sold, and it's like Awful. a snuff film, like what yeah. the hell? Yeah. There you are. <laughs> I found you. <laughs> no, the and you're right. The 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 junkyard for sure. <gasps> when they're all just like sadly accepting their fate and like sinking into the mire and you're just like oh my is this is this how how fun kids movies are supposed to go like am i just supposed to and And yet it feels like a perfect metaphor for the millennial experience just just the sink into just just slowly accepting our sink into what i found really disturbing and i watched it through and it took me the longest time to be like what is so upsetting there's no real soundtrack like there's moments where there's no sound it's just the characters talking and it seems so quiet and isolating and horrific upsetting to not have like this jaunty background music to kind of be like we're feeling happy right now yeah that's right? no, that's terrifying uh in preparation for this i was checking out some of my you know most watched as a kid and i don't know if you recall this this isn't one of my official picks but we're back a dinosaur story mm-hmm. um has oh, that yes. terrible like Dr. Screwball or Screw Eye or something villain. And when he goes, it is a completely silent scene, like as far as like score or orchestra goes. And he's just staring out into an abyss of space yes. with like a single spotlight on him talking about how afraid he is. And then these crows circle this motherfucker, land on him, and then disappear. And it's a yeah. it's I think very strongly implied they ate this fucker. Because, like, his screw eye hits the ground and another crow picks it up and, like, this dark, evil, malignant soul wisps off of it and the crow, like, oh. blows it away and grabs the screw and flies off. And I'm just like, there's no there's no music going on at all. There's no swell. There's no – it's just completely dark and silent. And you're like, what the fuck is this? Brother, brother, wait. When I am alone, when I – have no one to scare. I get very frightened myself. The crow's good. did someone kind of go let's lighten up maybe like was there a particular movie where shit stopped being so dark i wonder because i kind of feel like it was the toy story era well see it happens okay it, it you have to think about the alan menken era of like animated mm. stuff uh animate oh animated 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 you can tell i'm taking a ba in english now the way i'm over pronouncing <laughs> simple words animated ben likes words 
uh, <laughs> I'm going to marry them. <laughs> oh, yeah. So there's the Alamenkin era in the 90s, which predates Toy Story and the Pixar uh, era. And that's all, like, there's dark stuff in those, but they're generally upbeat. The impression that you take away from, you know, your Little Mermaids or your Beauty and the Beast is not about the horrific things happening in those, like in Little Mermaid when her dad just goes all, like, blasto bananas and, like, destroys everything in her little cove or -hmm. or in Beauty and the Beast where, you know, the dad is, like, kidnapped and stuffed in a cold jail cell. You get the happy ending takeaway. But, like, something like brave little toaster and i think it's because every single character with the exception of like the vacuum cleaner presents as like this really innocent naive sort of like unaware of what's happening sort of character and then they're subjugated to like this brutality of existence and it's like somebody had an issue with youth and really just wanted to make sure kids didn't make it out of this film thinking that like life was going to be anything good but it made me into a hoarder because every now i feel that everything has a soul and I sure. can't throw anything out. This is so interesting to me because, yeah, um, I absolutely anthropomorphize with like objects and stuff. That IKEA commercial from the oh. late nineties, early two thousands didn't help. <laughs> that was a great commercial. You're sad for this lamb. You are, we don't say the c word. We don't say the c word. You are word. banana banana bread. Uh, I like the follow up commercial. Have you seen that one? I don't think so, no. About renewables. And so they like bring the lamp back in from outside. It was just from like a year or two ago. Put a like an LED bulb in it instead. And like, it's something like what's old is new again. Oh, I like Like, that. Don't waste what you don't have to and stuff. So they, that, that lamp gets redemption. Okay. That's good. I like that. I still hoard things and we'll throw nothing out. It's so bad. And like, I accidentally... Like toys, stuffed animals, especially, oh, yeah. I, I anthropomorphized hard. But I had this actual, like, you remember you you throw those stupid toys in the water and they grow overnight? Oh, yeah, yeah. I had a, a toy alien I got from the Calgary Zoo when I, I must have been like 12 or something. And for some reason, I also owned a paintball. My parents had let me get one paintball gun. And I shot my alien thinking that I was going to paint it yellow and it was going to be so fun. And I just fucking destroyed this toy and i dropped the gun and i just sobbed holding this like fucking slippery yellow paint covered fucking alien in my hands just sobbing because i shot its fucking body apart i was like that's not what i saw happening it was going to be beautiful i was painting this gray alien and giving it colors and now it's dead i murdered it yeah. So that's the legacy of Brave Little Toaster and, yeah. and why it's probably number one on our list here. Oh, it's so upsetting. Even when the blanket, every time it cried, I was just like, ugh, like it was not. Blanky was especially, like Blanky is one of those characters designed just to tug at the heartstrings and make you even sadder. Like that whole like sinking into the into the mire at the at the junkyard doesn't really hit until Blanky starts going. Like, under. wait, the blanket's and then you're going? Like, you can't no one is the, safe. The heated blanket. Yeah. Blanky, can you let go? Try to untie yourself. I'm not scared. Blank! It actually echoes this movie, Toy Story 3. Do you remember mm-hmm. the scene where they're all yes. about to go into the incinerator? And then they just hold hands? They hold hands. And oh I'm fucking gosh. sobbing. This was actually a date yeah. movie for me and my partner. Um and we're both fucking sitting there sobbing. It's like, how are we supposed to go home and make out after this? Like, yeah. this is the shittiest movie. Like, let's just call it this. It's done tonight. Let's just go our separate way. Yeah, it's 
I wonder if, um, you know, and I, I don't know if there's any type of interviews out there, but I was curious to know because there are so many similarities if the creators or writers or whomever of uh, Toy Story 3 had a little bit of inspiration from Brave Little Toaster. Because there's so many elements where I was like, this sounds pretty familiar. Well, I mean, the hypothesis that we're presenting to everyone is that everyone in our sort of general <laughs> age group was deeply affected yeah. by that film. So I'm going to say yes. Yeah, probably. Uh, if you know somebody that works at Pixar that can give us a, I don't know, yes. a little heads up on this, get them, get them to send us an email, drop yeah. us a line. We'll read we it on the next episode. Okay, we'll what's what's uh, what's next? All right, let's move along. Uh, move along, move along. Nothing to see here. Um, let's just go down my list. Um, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Mm. Mm-hmm. Do you know what scene I'm going to talk about here? With the ant? When Auntie dies. Yeah. Auntie, the, the juvenile ant that they befriend that helps them ride across the yard. Saves their lives. Eats, eats giant Oreo cookie yeah. with them. Yeah, and then one night they get attacked by a scorpion and Auntie serves themselves up as... Uh, as a defender of the miniature humans and just like that little voice at me it's getting stabbed it's like you're just like jesus it's just getting punctured through this head with like this giant stinger it's awful we got to do something he's bleeding It was very upsetting. I wouldn't say that I was particularly like, I was sad by it, but I wouldn't say that I was traumatized by it, but I could definitely, I I see where you're coming from. Yes. Yeah. I mean, trauma is a big word. Anyhow, I think uh, the threshold for this episode is going to be very sad yes. to the point of making me remember it when I decided to search my memory mm-hmm. for movies that had a, a very sad impact on me. Um, that's one I got. Let's, yeah. let's move. You you do the next one. We'll see if we got another uh, match. Well, I think it was a, a popular one with uh, folks on the old interwebs, but Land Before Time. Yeah. Oof. May I just... Mother! 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 Mother please oh. get up. Please get up. Oh my gosh. And that's not even the saddest part. No. The part later on where he's trying to like find his mom he's like confused or something she's dead but then he sees like a shadow of a another long neck walking through the the valley and he doesn't realize it's it's just his shadow the light shining behind him casting a job and so he follows the shadow and then he gets up real close and starts trying to give it a kiss and he's just kissing the side of like a rock mountain (laughs) fucking terrible every time like when he would curl up like a little puppy in the footprint in the rain ugh, like oh come ugh, on that movie ugh. and then sarah Brutal. and her dad mm-hmm. and sarah like oh gosh that entire movie it was just sad 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 oh we're getting somewhere sad kind of happy mm-hmm. ending and then they ruined it by making like eight gajillion oh sequels. there's so many sequels so what was up with that so many just it's okay for, for a story to be good and then be done you know that was one that could have just been on its own yeah, I'm sure whoever was involved with the eight straight to VHS sequels felt like they were doing some really great artistic work there. I'm, I'm positive they they thought they were doing something that just had to be told, those stories. Way to take like a really heartfelt, beautiful, sad movie and turn it into just like, I don't even know, Kardashian-esque Kim Kardashian type. Whoa, hey. Is that, Oof. I mean, that's rough. That's rough. That's rude. Saying. I don't have any real strong feelings about the Kardashians. I just wanted to uh, 
exaggerate the effect here. That's yeah. So Land Before Time is the next on the list of just like, I can't believe we were like, hey, kids, do you want to watch a movie? Do you want to feel sad? And they're carrying that fucking last fucking oh. leaf from the valley they were in the whole time. The last tree star. Well, like the overarching of like, all of us are dying and going extinct. We have no more food. Also, your mother died and you got to keep moving alone. Hope your grandparents are there. Bye, Littlefoot. Yeah, go find this maybe magical place that might exist. And also, is that magical place maybe just an allegory for being dead? You yeah, see them in the afterlife, huh? maybe? Yeah. You didn't make it, Littlefoot. You didn't make it. Then what does that say about his mother that she's not there? She did live, and it's actually super sad on her side of things. <gasps> oh, that's yeah. even worse. Yeah. Oh, God. It's the movie that keeps on kicking you in the teeth. That is God. a Bluth film, uh, Don Bluth, <laughs> um, from that era when there were animated films other than Disney or Pixar. Um and uh, that leads us into uh, another very sad one in my in my feeling, which is an American tale. Uh. This is a movie that starts out with, in a, in a Russian town, Cossacks just like murdering the shit out of a village of like Russian Jewish people. And while they're doing that, this movie is like, also these, uh, these cats are Cossacks and they're going to kill them with the Jew mice. And you're just like, what, what? And I didn't know what any of these things are as no. a kid. And then as you get older, you're like, oh, that was a very horrific event to show depicted with mice and also yeah. people. Well, it's the point where like, you're like reading a history book and then you're like, oh, this sounds familiar. And then you realize, oh, it's because they turned it into an American tale yeah. and they made the Jews, the mice and the Cossacks, the cats. Oh, so I was being taught traumatizing genocidal history in a very fun way. Yeah, yeah. And the Cossacks are actually also still there. So like the real yes. Cossacks are there, but then so are the, the cat sacks. <laughs> it's wild. It's wild. Um, and yeah, and then, you know, Feifel, he's in America, he's alone, he's lost, and you get somewhere out there. Yeah. Beneath the pale moonlight. Someone's thinking of me and loving me tonight. And he's got like, he curls up. At, I think he pulls like a little piece of like shitty newspaper over him and like sleeps in a puddle. And you're just like, Jesus. But then he makes friends with Dom DeLuise's cat character who takes him to like weird gangster land who oh, oh it's all a fever dream at this point but there's no cats in america apparently oh, but then there are cats in america and then they're so upset by it yeah god and then the entire time like papa's looking for fievel and his sister uh right in the fields like that was fievel fievel papa and so many near misses yes that was the upsetting part yeah as if getting lost and separated from your parents isn't already the like worst fear a child has. Uh, yeah. but, but this movie just takes that and uh, amplifies it up a thousand. Yeah, I was so scared to lose my parents in malls after that. Oh my God. Yeah, or to Cossacks. <laughs> also, yes, a little bit scared of the Cossacks. <laughs> in 1990s. Know what they, were, but they could be coming. They could be Canada. Coming. <laughs> Any time a Cossack could be there. You don't know. Oh, gosh. <laughs> And if they have their cat sack, it's even worse. What do you got next for us? I think we've got one more before our, you know, our important mid-episode mid, mid episode break. Okay, I'm going to hit you with one of the most upsetting ones that I was obsessed with and watched mm, nine million times. Okay. Uh, but all dogs go to heaven. 
Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. The great thing about that is what's his face dies. What? Twice. Yeah. A couple times. Yeah. <laughs> what's his name? What's his name? I can't remember his stupid fucking name in the movie. I don't remember his name either. Oh, are we going to Google? We're going to Google. I haven't heard that sound effect in a while. Okay. Charlie. Charlie B. Barkin. Charlie. Is that his full fucking name? Jesus. Yeah. Charlie B. Barkin, as voiced by Burt Reynolds, because of course. Yeah. Um, dies twice. And that scene he dies twice. Goes to, like that weird hell thing with the rats. Yes. What is happening? So upsetting. He's up there with like uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory for like fever dream stuff, like when uh, Gene Wilder's on the boat with him and starts singing that creepy ass song. That's traumatizing. The whole movie, you can get out of it that. It is super without feeling too weird, but. Okay, so Charlie is murdered by the dog gangster boss man, and he is intoxicated and then killed by a car pushed down hill by Carface, and Carface is like little sniveling assistant. So then he goes to heaven with all the like pretty pink dogs, steals a pocket watch, which gives him more time, goes back and becomes best friends with the little girl Anne-Marie. And all I remember is her later on in the movie eating waffles with her adopted family because Anne-Marie is like a little orphan living on her own on the street, which like, Mm -hmm. are we sad Mm -hmm. yet? Oh, wait. But then Charlie is condemned to hell. So then he goes to dog hell and comes back. And then eventually there's a casino fight scene where Charlie and Carface (laughs) fight again. And they try to, oh my gosh, they try to dump Anne-Marie into, oh my God, it's just reading it again i'm like god it's so sad it is sad Ugh. and what's sadder still is this is another one of those films that breeds a uh a number of unnecessary sequels yep oh Charlie... all dogs go to heaven <sighs> so sad. unnecessary unnecessary, unnecessary. all right ben what time is it oh oh it's time it's time for who's that pokemon uh, I've got a good one for you tonight. Okay. All right. Let's go um, for it. Okay. So um, the silhouette is sort of sort of a sphere, a smallish sphere next to a, a larger sort of oval. Um, they're sort of pressed together. And then off of the larger oval is sort of almost like a longish rectangle. And then off of the smaller sphere is like a longish rectangle that goes into another oval itself. And then down into sort of a conish point. Can you give me, it's not a Pokemon. It's not. No, you've, you've detected my, my trick. This is a non Pokemon. Who's that Pokemon tonight? Okay. Um, Can you give me a hint? Yeah. Um, The hint is that there's actually two separate characters in this. Who's that Pokemon? Hmm. Is that helpful in any way? Is it Littlefoot and his mother? Yes. It's Littlefoot kissing his mother goodbye (gasps) as she dies in the rain after saving him from a T-Rex attack. Oh my God. Was I actually right? Are you making fun of me right right now? (gasps) Yay! Very sad, Ben, but yay! It's quite literally that. (gasps) Oh, good job, me. Yeah, yeah, I see it 100%. Oh, Littlefoot. Wake up, mother. Who's that Pokemon? It's Littlefoot and his mom kissing as she dies in the rain. (laughs) Hey, you're on a roll. I think you've been nailing like the last few of these. I'm feeling good about myself with the who's that Pokemon. Not going to lie. It's why we do it. So we can both feel good about something every day. (laughs) Got to be good at something. hey? Making 
a who's that Pokemon out of a dying Brontosaurus, and you oh. feel good about guessing it. Oh, is it a Brontosaurus oh. or Brachiosaurus? Brachiosaurus is the fake one, or is it the other way? The Brontosaurus is fake. I don't. Let's go find some six-year-olds somewhere. They'll know better than me. Don't you remember? Like they like said there was a Brachiosaurus, then they said that head was on the wrong side, and then they brought it back. I, I I don't, but I trust you on that one. That seems like something that's legitimate. They, how I always want to know, like, how did they know to put the dinosaur together that way? I don't know. It never makes sense. God, no. All right, what do you got? Um, what I got is that I'm still trying to figure out which one was fake. <laughs> okay, some people. Okay, so the Brachiosaurus was the one that was considered fake for a while. The Brontosaurus. But the Brachiosaurus is apparently okay. actually a dinosaur again. They put the head back on the right spot. Everything's okay. Oh, hey, good for them. That's good. Um, but Littlefoot and his mom are are Brontosaurus, not Brachiosaurus. Actually, I should say Littlefoot's a, a Brontosaurus. His mom was a Brontosaurus. Yeah, I mean. Okay, let's keep going. She ain't no more. She ain't. She ain't, she ain't. She ain't no more. Uh, next one on my list is uh, let's get into Robin Hood. <gasps> Disney's animated Robin, Robin Hood. Hood little John, oh yeah, what? Sure, what? that's one song. But how about the other song when uh, Will Scarlet, oh. the rooster Will Scarlet, is chained up? Yeah, in a in, in a, a jail, sad jail with the little with mice. Every other poor person oh, in town. Yes, that was a. I can't tell scene. you exactly when I knew I was poor growing up, but at some point I figured it out. And as an adult, realizing sort of the irony of a of a children's movie that sort of basically puts out there the the sort of intent of of, of governance to criminalize being poor is pretty fucking wild, pretty on the nose for a kids movie. Uh, the sheriff of Nottingham just goes around, takes every last tuppence from every character around, and then when they can't pay anymore, throws them in jail. And I'm like, this is thinking about this is this is this is a little bit too real i may not have been necessarily traumatized by it as a kid but like as an adult now i'm like maybe i shouldn't be showing this to anybody i showed it to when i taught grade eight so in in our neck of the woods one of the things that the grade eights learn about is um, the renaissance and so you you teach about the renaissance and a little bit of the dark ages leading up to the renaissance and i always showed clips from that movie to kind of explain serfdom and that whole land ownership thing and people like the kids always ask well why didn't people just move away and i was like you you couldn't there's no you you couldn't how do you leave when you have zero money you can't even escape poverty literally physically because you're so poor wasn't it actually illegal for you to try and go like take up residence in another place or you were beholden yeah other another fight. yeah you had to ask for permission before you could leave yeah so That's wild i mean you know we face it nowadays too with like in in a city such as ours where rents keep climbing and climbing and climbing and, and home ownership is basically yeah. impossible i guess it's not even just our city any yeah. any major center in, in north america really right now and uh that that same idea of like how are you supposed to move away go someplace cheaper or someplace with more affordable health care if you're american when you can't afford mm -hmm. anything how are you supposed to do that it costs money yeah. to move immigration costs money moving yeah. costs money finding a new place to live costs money i think that's what like a lot of people don't understand that when you're immigrating to north america it ain't cheap it's not like you just like pop on a plane no it is so expensive and costly to immigrate that like most immigrants coming from certain parts of the world are like the wealthiest people of that country so it's 
Oh, brutal. Well, sometimes, yeah. right? And then other times you have a different status of immigration, like refugee. Oh, yeah, for sure. And also there's uh, there's a, a fair bit of racism that plays into the immigration situation. Um, certain requirements get waived depending on your family mm-hmm. situation. Um, your background as well plays into that. I mean, this country in particular has just a gross history uh, with the, the Asian he- head tax oh, yeah, in yeah. the basically the late 1800s to the mid 1900s, just exorbitant fees charged to uh, Asian people that wanted to immigrate uh, for every family member that they wanted to bring over up to like $500 at turn of the century, right? Like, gosh. and at the same time, they were just inviting white European immigrants to to steal land from from the different nations that were already here. So it's a a wild, immigration's wild. Poverty is wild, and it's often criminalized, and we could get into that more, but we'll save that for yeah. another episode. For now, we just want to deal with childhood trauma. Yeah, just, so if that movie didn't traumatize you as a kid, it, it can now is what I'm yeah, saying. Don't worry. There's no uh, there's no time limit on being upset by movies, so go watch Robin Hood. Especially the movie you watched as yeah. a kid, yeah. <laughs> what do you got next for us? Oh, okay. I'm going with the Halloween tree. I never saw this. Oh, I actually bought it. No recollection of this at all. I'll lend it to you. I bought the DVD a while ago because it was stuck in my head and I just found it so upsetting. It was a Ray Bradbury story that they turned into a Halloween movie um, with one of the characters voiced by Leonard Nimoy. Inexcusable! Inexcusable behavior! And basically the story is a kid on Halloween night, his appendix bursts and so his three friends and this like really creepy old wizard man go on this time changing across the world a history lesson basically of like the the origins of halloween and it ends with all of them being scared that their friend is going to die and become a spirit so they all give up years of their life so that he can come back and be their friend again and then the movie just ends (laughs) parts of their soul are sucked out yes (laughs) happy happy ending yeah okay guys have a good night like and it's it's a great story it's super super haunting but i just found it so wild that like they travel across time to find out why do we dress up as witches or mummies or skeletons and they're like the historical importance of those figures during halloween the story of halloween and then also hey your friend's about to die unless you give me some of your, your life uh it's early morning so better get home to bed like it's just it's a messed up movie but it is great huh like what is that trying to say Very at the good. end halloween it will eat your soul and that you die of appendix bursts okay i like this for just the simple beauty of it it takes me into a great transition to my next one if you will allow awesome. uh Please. it's called once yes. upon a forest it was a oh. another sort of off-brand 90s animation uh came out of i think warner brothers animation or something um but it's about these little forest kids um like different animals and while they're out doing like a a lesson one day with an old badger um a truck hits a a broken bottle flips over leaks a whole bunch of poison gas into their 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 village and when they come back uh one of the kids parents they find them dead and the and the little girl herself runs into the house and gets sick as well with the poison gas oh my god and none of the other kids can find their parents at all so they have to go and they come back to the the badger teacher late at night and they're like, can we stay with you? Our parents are gone. We can't find them. And, oh um, and then the next morning after just one of the most heartbreaking songs you've ever heard about this 
uncle badger singing to his like niece who's dying in a bed he sings this please wake up song about how his life is is that it's you know it's evening time but hers is just the morning and so she can't die yet so you get that and then this badger this badger's like get the fuck out of my house and go find a cure for my my niece he's like you're the only ones that can go i have to stay with her and he sends these children across like 90s uh you know eco terror so like bulldozers and stuff to go find a couple a couple herbs to save this little girl and then you know they do they get back they find their parents are all okay uh little girl her parents aren't okay they're dead and the uncle has to explain it to her and then you know scene oh wow i your parents are gone, but I'll try to be the best parent I can be to you. And she's like, yay. And you're like, yay. At one point when the kids don't know if their parents are alive or dead when they're out searching, the one little fat mole character with the Coke bottle glasses is like, he's like, he's like, I never kissed my mama goodbye. <gasps> oh, no. She's trying to like say goodbye to him as he's leaving for class. And he's like, no time, mom. I'll kiss you when I get back. And then he's just like sobbing one night. Oh, my like, God. I never kissed my mama goodbye. And I'm just like, Ew. Oh, that one stuck with me. Oh, uh, yeah. It popped up right into my brain when I started thinking about movies that did me and did me dirty like this. And the song, I can still hear it. Like, oh, oh okay. it's well, yeah, it's sad. That is a perfect segue into my next one then. Okay, let's roll. Oh, it's the Rats of Nim. Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. Like everything about like even like just Nicodemus himself is a terrifying rat creature man. Now the this whole... is a good callback oh. to one of our earliest episodes about sexy yes. cartoon characters. If you recall, my <laughs> spouse uh finds what's his name? <laughs> Justin the rat to be quite sexy. It's important to point that out since we're talking about Secret of Nim. He was a sexy rat and like Nicodemus was an old decrepit like mummy type rat with like glowing eyes. Oh, I ain't yucking nobody's yum. I just, (laughs) I think we need to stop and appreciate that while traumatic, this movie also provided some sexual awakenings. It was a very emotion heavy movie. You're sad. You're a little scared. Kind of turned on a little bit. What's this (laughs) feeling? I don't know. But that like it's the same kind of thing like um the the farmer's coming to like rake up the farm. Mrs. Frisbee has to move her son who's very, very ill. He needs medicine. Mm-hmm. Can't and so she has to go on this wild adventure with the crow and the rats, but then there's bad rats, and then there's a big sword fight scene. Like, wow, this movie has everything. God, but it is upsetting. I'm on board with that one traumatizing me because it's such a great story. Traumatize mm-hmm. away. I enjoyed it. That's a good one. That's a blast. What else you got? Where are we going? We got a few that are big ones that we've missed so far. The never-ending story is sad in a lot of ways and traumatic. The amount of pressure that gets put on the young kid in like the real world, reading the book, like being forced to like take ownership of whether the like fantasy universe survives or dies is just like, oh, that's some pressure. Um, No kidding. You know, and at one point, I think, uh, what's his name? Falcor dies or is dying or comes back. He does come back, but he dies at some yeah. point. But the big one, Artax. Oh, Artax, Artax the horse. Artax oh. drowns in what I used to think was called the Swamp of Sorrows. I looked it up, but apparently it's the Swamp of Sadness. Oh, but yeah, that makes sense. They just fucking kill that horse. Um, I don't know if it's true or not, but I remember being a kid and there was a popular playground myth that that horse actually died during the filming of the show. 
I don't like this is like a cat in the box situation. I kind of don't want to know because the way that that the they have shorting our tracks. Oh, it just scared me so. Is like, our tracks alive? Is it dead? Let's not Google it. He looked so scared in the movie, and either way, like that had to have been animal abuse. Yeah, had to uh, have been. Had to have been. Part of that got oh, filmed in Vancouver. Oh God, that I would. I would like fast forward over it because it was too upsetting. Oh, every time. And it just keeps, keeps, keeps sinking and sinking. Yep. And you don't see it actually go under, but then like, you know, you get what's his face is a tray like ah, sobbing at the end. He was, he did a great job. Like the, the emotive. That part was horrible. But since we're talking about trauma, there's another part that wasn't necessarily sad, but it scared the shit out of me when they had to go through the Sphinx. Really? I was not... You remember that part? Yeah, that's not the part that scared me the most. They have to answer the questions or their soul gets judged. It is a scary part for me. Not the most, maybe, but uh, the wolf there, right? constantly coming the from wolf. the shadow. It's horrifying. But even just like the, the thought of the nothing and the wolf... Like, hey, man, the nothing isn't enough for you. You got to have the wolf out there, too. It's entropy. It's oh. entropy. You have to have some teeth God. on that entropy. Like, concepts you don't need no. as a 10-year-old are the, you know, sort of constant death of everything in existence. <laughs> You're going to die. Including the universe. Everyone you know and love is going to die. And then there's the, going to be nothing. Like, oh, my the God. Quiet blink out of existence. <laughs> and then you get to go climb into your little bed with your footy fucking pajamas on and stare at the roof. And your mom flicks off the fucking light. <laughs> and you are confronted by darkness. Don't tell me you didn't hear a fucking snarl from in the corner of the room at that point. Shadows oh. moving past the window. Well, and no wonder people were always like, why were you so scared of sleeping when you were little? Because we were watching terrifying movies. This shit. Oh my God, I was so scared. I think uh, when I was 12, this one just popped up. When I was 12, I went to a sleepover and saw Demon Knights. It was a Crypt Keeper movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was raised deeply religious. And this is all about like, I think it's, what's his name? The, the fucking B actor guy from Titanic, Billy. Oh, Billy Zane. Billy Zane is in it as like the devil trying to like reclaim his body or something. Mm. And it's just like all this terrible religious symbology, demons coming out of everywhere and like killing people and taking arms off and stuff. And I was 12 and like raised in a home that had presented the idea of demons as not like religious folklore, but fucking real shit that can come for you. If you play (laughs) dungeons and dragons, (laughs) like like you are going to get a demon and they're going to cut your arm off. So, like, that movie scared the shit out of me. Why were we watching that? I did not sleep well until, I think, until I think I moved in with my my wife. Yeah. And then I stopped watching TV at night and finally got a good sleep. <laughs> Folks, this is a little PSA aside. Yeah. Turn off the fucking TV when you go to bed. It will fuck your sleep up. You are not going to be happy. You might think it's comforting. It is not. Turn that shit off. Just be alone with the darkness in your thoughts and try not to think about the movies you watched yeah. as a kid. Be alone with the nothing. Let it consume you. <sighs> Fuck, you bring up such a great point. Like, yeah, none of us slept. We're all terrified. Yeah. Scared of the dark. This shit's coming out of there. Yeah, uh, the never-ending story. I love yeah. it. Scared me in so many ways. And yeah, those sphinxes again. You need to rewatch it because there's like this coldness and this clinical sort of terror that happens in that scene and i think it's what you described earlier with uh 
um, with a brave little toaster, mm-hmm. there's no sort of soundtrack happening at the time. It's just this hum yeah, of these judgment like Mesopotamian looking sort of like Persian headed sphinxes that are going to zap the shit out of you if you're not pure of heart or some shit. And who the fuck's pure of heart? But anyway, yeah, that was a heavy movie. Heavy, man. heavy. What do you got next? Any more? Um, oh, yeah, I got so many more. Let's um, keep rolling, rolling, oh. rolling, rolling. <laughs> uh, one that we've already talked about a little bit on the show, The Last Unicorn. Uh, Another, like, still on my to-watch momentous. Oh, that, that whole, I don't even know how to describe it other than languishing and morose yeah, the like the whole, whole thing movie, is sad, even just the palette right, and a trudge yeah. towards sadness it feels like that last part of um lord of the rings where they're in mordor they're basically walking towards literally their doom and there's just no way through it you just gotta go through it and it's like rainy and dark and then the colors of the bull and the unicorn are so bright and stark against the like depressing washed out dark colors of the rest of the movie that you just are like you're you're transfixed you have to watch it all the way through but my god is that a depressing movie mm-hmm. but beautiful oh it's one that you feel tired after watching oh there's movies like that like where you need a palate cleanser yeah. when you're done you're like okay i watched yes. the last of the unicorn mom but now i need to watch some like some popples so that i can yeah. feel happy about existing <laughs> oh i've loved popples are fucking great i had a popple that was i had two popples one was green with orange hair and then i had another one that was a rock star popple she had an earring i had a blue one that i got at a garage sale uh for a long time i believe popples were considered demonic in my house oh come on ah thanks turmoil in the toy box you piece of shit (laughs) uh I'm probably going to go on eBay after this and fucking buy myself. You should. I'm going to go see if I can find mine too. I think, I think I have them in a box somewhere. Nice. All right, let's keep going. we got a a couple more. I think we need to get through the Lion King Academy award winning sadness. Um, And and disturbing like with the hyenas. Yeah. Oh, the hyenas are are chilling. They ate Mm -hmm. scar. No, let, no let, 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 let me explain. No, you don't understand. No, I didn't mean. No, no, I It's definitely implied that they did so. Yes. yes. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I mean, but like the big thing here is this also comes sort of at the pinnacle of that era we talked about earlier, the like sort of Mencken Disney 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, just absolutely owning animation era. Yeah. And up until this point, we'd had some dark stuff. Like it, it was, we're not straight, like Gaston falls off of a, you know, French villa and dies. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ursula gets run through by a shard of, I don't know, schooner. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> like there's some brutal shit that happens, but like never before are we given a comforting, loving father figure and then just have them murdered like on screen in front of us. And then like just forced to embody the shock and the horror and the terror that Simba goes through. 
Oh and then God. afterwards he gets down there and he just curls up next to his dead dad. It's a real little foot in the footprint situation. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, yeah, I could do without ever seeing that scene again. Yeah. And yet also very beautiful, very tragic, very, very sandwich. Hamlet. <laughs> Ham sandwich. Ham sandwich. Yeah, <laughs> Got anything uh, else for us? I have two more, and then I was just looking at the list of the ones from the old interwebs. Okay, so then the next one, again, I think we've maybe mentioned it really quickly on here, is Fern Gully. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Like, Fern Gully right. didn't traumatize me necessarily, although I am glad you brought it up because I wanted to talk about 90s environmentalism, but I'll let you do your thing first. It was the, I think the entire movie was great until there's the one scene where the like the pollution toxic sure. tim curry character toxic right yes that scene like it's very upsetting right i know what you're thinking about that scene where he goes oh uh, uh, and he yes. starts flashing like through like the skeletal and then the musculature and then into his full like demonic form it's an upsetting like up until that point it's okay. And then it just gets like terrifying after there and thinking about how like that smoggy, nothing type goo crap taking over the rainforest was so upsetting. So upsetting. Yeah. And I think that ties into the sort of style of environmentalism in the 90s, um, where basically the takeaway we got was that there was something bad happening to trees far away. I think that was and once upon a forest played into that same sort of trope. Oh yeah, somebody's poisoning trees really far away. Got to take care of trees. Not our planet is is pretty much fucked. Yeah. Um it's so interesting to me that soft environmentalism that still didn't even stick. No. No. Just it's like the softest form. Just made us very anxious bad sleepers. Yeah, yeah, and worried about toxic rain and uh, car fumes. <laughs> And throwing out old appliances. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, those things that if we change now, we could save the world. Uh, you know. Oh, oh God. I guess we could hold on to. Yeah, Ferngully is, uh, uh, now that you think about it, also animal testing. Because we're all really worried yeah. about rabbits getting lipstick put on them in the 90s. That's true. I mean, that's what I learned from uh, the body shop, is that animals were just being tested on left and right. It's just like, they keep giving these animals terrible makeovers. <laughs> Uh, but the baddie song, Robin Williams, like that's actually kind of scary a little bit too, where they flash into that, like um, where he does that like sort of mimic yes. of, a, of an operating room and like nurse, blah, 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 we're losing him. Yeah. Nurse. I need a checkup from the neck up. I'm baddie. Seems to have no effect, doctor. Get me another one. Get, get me another one. one. You're like, oh gosh. That was very, yeah, that was also equally upsetting. So anyway, yeah, Fern Gully, very, oof, very upsetting. Uh, I still listen to that uh, that song that What's-His-Face is listening at the beginning. Oh, there's songs associated with movies. With The Brave Little Toaster, it's Tutti Frutti, um, which plays on radio all the, like, the entire movie. Uh, Fern Gully is that Land of a Thousand Dances Land song. of a Thousand Dances. That's what I associate Ferngully with more than anything. It's just that song. Every time I think of Ferngully, it slaps. Actually, that entire soundtrack is great. There's also... It's a great soundtrack. Uh, if I recall correctly, I was just talking about this last year on Insta, but uh, Elton John. Elton John does some origi original music for that. I didn't realize that. Mm. Some slappy music, if I'm not mistaken. That's great. 
Oh. Yeah, yeah, we get some other world. Raffi also does a, a great song for that too, which is a wild. Raffi, Canada's treasure, does raining like magic. It's raining like magic. Rewatch that movie and just be sad all over again. Uh, it's it's yeah, the trees don't make it. Uh, okay, no. we can't do this without talking about Bambi, um, the first one we probably oh, all watched, yeah. earliest one. Um, talking about this today with my, my, my wife, Fiona, uh, your, your spouse. my partner, my partner, Fiona, yes. um, she mentioned it's not even the mom, Bambi's mom dying. That's really awful. She brought up a really great point, which is the quail. Do you remember the quail when the hunter's coming and that, that music is just starting to beat it and it's harder and harder and hotter and hotter. And everything's getting more claustrophobic. And there's this quail that's with her husband. And he's like, just stay still. You're going to be fine. Just stay still. And she can't. She starts freaking out. Her eyes go gigantic. She starts panicking. And she loses her fucking mind. And I mean that literally, not pejoratively. And like, flies out. And then, bang. And she's dead. And Fiona reminded me of this. And like, she's right. The terror is palpable. Like, you are in it with this quail. And it is one of the most horrifying things that I can recall ever seeing in a, in, in a kid's movie. Just such visceral, visceral terror. Oh, my God. I don't remember that at all. Yeah, uh, all credit to, to Fiona. Like, she re- described it to me, and Ugh. it all came flooding back. And I was like, holy shit, you're right. That is one of the most... The way that you described it was haunting. <laughs> I don't like I don't like the colors are all like brown and dark and shady and that feeling is just pounding and then and then the bang with the gun and the bright flash of red and it's it's over she's she's gone oh my god that's so brutal Bambi oh man yeah that's uh not sleeping tonight <laughs> okay what's the next one okay this is kind of a loose one for me but uh, that's okay we're all about loose here what that, hmm, maybe not um bed knobs and broomsticks no nah, yeah i feel you there was a scary right yeah the skeleton bit there were some moments of that that were like very upsetting and the haunting witches and stuff and like spell casting yeah it was a little scary it was a little scary well going because they go to um the island where the animals they have to like play the rugby game i think it is it's a soccer or rugby i can't remember or the the king will eat them well it's england but it's football yeah, it's football. But I don't know if it's football or rugby. That was football. Okay, we'll go with football. They call rugby football there too. Do they? No. <laughs> I was like, I don't think they do, but... <laughs> they got footy one and footy two. They go back, after that scene, they go back to the part of England. And this movie takes place during World War II. And so there's the constant threat of German invasion. Yeah, yeah, bombing. That's why the kids are sent to the witch's house, played by Angela Lansbury. And she brings, she casts a spell and brings all the old armor from medieval times back to life. And it's something like, there's some funny moments, but at the same time too, like it's terrifying. I remember that scene being like kind of witchy, like in a way that I would love now. But as a kid was like, oh God, what is happening? I think I'm actually getting an evil spell cast on me. Oh, my parents warned me about this. Demons coming out of the TV. I'm fucked. Like they were right. They were right. Incantation. I'm I'm devil child now. I got spelled. <laughs> it's all over for me. So I just took my bowl of Fruit Loops and chucked it at a wall. Ah, uh, sorry. Devil got me. Devil got me. 
Too late for me. Save the other five. Came from a big family. Oh. It's one of the things I think about every time I think about how many kids are in my family. Is like my family would have been an absolutely normal size for medieval times when you hoped like two out of eight actually survived. But for current times, game. that's a big old family. It's a drain on resources. Uh, okay, I've got I've got the dinosaurs dying uh, scene from Fantasia. Mm-hmm. Um, they're walking around. Um, it's like a, the drought yeah. thing is happening, and like there's no water, and the little ones are scrabbling around and fighting the larger ones for water, and they just can't get any of it, and it's like muddy water anyhow. Yeah, there's a lot, and then that scene in Fantasia, but also the 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 night on Bald Mountain one with the devils and like, yes, just like, oh, why that little one Ben. Was- Little scared Ben, screaming, frightened. Well, it was at the end of the VHS. Like, if you recall, it was the very last one on the Fantasia. Was the last scene, or is it, it just was. that your mom turned it off? That's when she so, turned it yeah, off. Yeah. Like, we would watch all of them, and then she'd be like, okay, enough. And then Old Yeller, you know? Like, he gets better, and everything's okay. And then your mom turns off the VHS. No, she just knew that I was terrified of the demon mountain. Oh, Yeah, yeah, God. it's terrifying. Terrifying. Oh. Yeah, a lot in Fantasia is scary, and yeah. uh, also a lot that's racist. Uh, yeah, Fantasia two thousand, little little more lighthearted, but still, yeah, you know, still two thousand. I can't recall if I've ever actually seen it. Yeah, two thousand wasn't an enlightened time compared to the beautiful utopia of twenty twenty two with monkeypox. If you're listening from the past, the past or the future? Yeah, I don't know <laughs> who's more likely to have survived. Time is a flat circle. Someone from the past with a time machine, or somebody in the future that digs this podcast out from underneath the rubble of whatever society we had at the end. So in- Anthropologists from the future. And this is a, uh, a real typical sign of what people were doing at the end of the world. And it was making podcasts. I'm talking about how they couldn't sleep as children. So you can see they neglected their duty to oh, stop the end of the world. And instead gathered together in online forums to talk about nostalgia. Hey, fuck you, future point, Dexter. It's tough out here. It, it is not easy. But um, that's the end of my list. Uh, that's the end of my list. Good timing. There was still, there's two shout outs from the Instagram account. All right. Which I, uh, there was um, a reference to a scene in the Jetsons movie, uh, yes. which I can't say I ever saw. You didn't watch the Jetsons movie with the sexy no. rock guy. And so George gets a promote. I watched this movie so much. Really? Um, yeah, it was a safe movie. Like Hanna-Barbera mm-hmm. stuff generally considered to be okay because they also did those Christian adventure oh, ones. Oh, yeah. So by virtue, all Hanna-Barbera was Christian and okay. It's a strange logic. Uh, so George gets a promotion to a faraway sprocket factory. They're setting it up. Um, basically, they're mining for sprockets. Fuck, I can't believe I'm saying this. They're mining for sprockets, but it's actually like destroying the habitat of these little space alien creatures that are super cute oh. and that all comes to a head um but it's it gets pretty scary when it's destroying their homes and they're running and the sprocket machines are just so it's another one of those like 90s environmentalism yeah. tales where like appreciate what you're trying to do kind of missing the mark on what we need to be worried about here it's not deforestation in some sort of xenophobic version of another country that you're thinking about but here at home <laughs> over do you remember there. the big victory when we ended styrofoam packaging at mcdonald's oh yeah that was such a win for the environment wasn't it <laughs> we did it we can go home now and that's why environment ended in the 90s 
and everything's okay now. Future anthropologist is just shaking his head. If only they knew. It's a Ron Howard voiceover. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that seems pretty scary. Uh, that movie overall is a banger. It slaps, as the kids say. Worth watching. I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah, it's always a fun one. I'm sure there's things that are terrible and don't hold up, but I can't remember them. So then the last one on the list that I can see is The Fox and the Hound, another one I did not watch. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is one we should definitely talk about, but you did not watch this, you're saying. Because my mom knew how much I loved animals growing up and was just like, we're just going to say no to that one because it's too upsetting. All right, we'll do a quick one here. So the bright side is neither the fox nor the hound die in the end. Um, Okay, good. The sad part is that they are forced to sever their friendship and never be with each other ever again. Oh, um, the really traumatic part is at one point, the old lady who raises the fox to try to save him from the sort of hunter guy that owns the bloodhound, if I'm remembering correctly, she just takes him to a faraway wood and abandons him tearfully, basically just sends this fox away. And, uh, it's basically like from her point of view, losing a beloved pet, but for his own good. And from the fox's point of view, like mom's abandoning me, leaving me here in the woods. Oh. Somebody who has experienced something like that. Let me tell you, not a fun experience. Oh, that sounds... But we'll get into that real trauma another time. Good night, everybody. Is that how we're wrapping this shit up? (laughs) Fox and the Hound, also sad. Wow, what a downer episode. But we had fun. Yeah, we... uh, We had a couple laughs in there. Think about Batty from Fern Gully. That's always great. Robin Williams, top of his game. Rapping away. Rapping away. Good job, Robin. Oh, so 90s. Robin Williams rapping. Yeah. Before white people knew what rap was or why. Because we are ignorant assholes. Well, we learned it from Robin Williams, and so that's why it is not great. It's, okay. Do we have to do like a rest in peace sign before we just spare Robin Williams live? I, I do miss Robin Williams. The man was a comedic genius. I just can't see him being happy in the current existence of the world. I... I mean, I guess he wasn't happy. I'm not trying to make a joke here. It's just like, I feel like he'd be more sad if he saw where things were now. (sighs) Not that depression is sadness. I'm not trying to equate the two in a simplistic terminology, but just like some people wear the world heavy and he seems like he would have, would have been very disappointed with where things were at. Yeah. Live your life that you want. But you know who would have been disappointed? Who? You vaginaia don't fire. Hello! Let's just, do, let's just do Mrs. Doubtfire for the rest of the episode. Oh, <laughs> movie also might be problematic in its depiction of people who cross-dress or... or really? Do you think so, Ben? I have a Brosnan shirt in it, though, so there's something for everybody. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, there, there is another one. Well, thanks, 90s. And that brings us full circle. That's Mara Wilson. You're right! Hey, way to close the circle. We did it. Let's book in this motherfucker. And one last thing before we go, folks. Thanks for listening. Um, if you're enjoying the show at all, this is our 29th episode. This will be coming up uh, just shy of our, our year birthday. And if you'd like to give us a present, uh, the present we're asking for this year is either a donation to um, whatever service uh, helps the people experiencing homelessness in your area, or uh, give us a five-star review on Apple. Um, Either of those things is great. We'd appreciate it. Uh, It really helps us uh, when we get that uh, Apple sauce, if you will, 
uh, it really helps our show get some some boosting and some posting and uh, gets us out there a little more. So if you're not entirely uh, unhappy with this show, you listen to 29 episodes for some reason, do us a, do us a solid. Uh, help us spread the word. Maybe share on social media as well. We'd appreciate that. Um, and, uh, you know, just our sincere thanks for listening for a fucking year. That's wild. That's amazing. Uh, and you're amazing. And we love you. And uh, we want to continue to uh, develop this and, you know, see where things go. You know, another year in this relationship with y'all. Oh, my gosh. It's getting so serious. Oh. To the ring. <laughs> when we want to we want to take things to the next level. Do they get us a ring or do we get them all rings? I I don't know. That's a great question. I'm going to have to think about that one. I don't know. Let's think about it. Yeah. Well, we'll think about it. We'll answer that next time on the 30th episode of Dork Matters. Dork, da da dork, dork. Dork, dork. Thanks for listening to Dork Matters. If you like the podcast, subscribe, give us a rating, and tell your friends about us. If you are a fellow dork and have a dork issue that you think we need to discuss, tell us on our social media. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter. You can also check out original art and other content from Ben and myself. We'd like to say a big thank you to Yabra for the use of our theme song, Dance, off of their Astral EP, as well as a thank you to Jess Schmidt for producing and editing our podcast. Thanks, Jess. Dork Matters. This podcast is created on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Nations, which includes the Siksika, the Begaini, and the Gaina. We also acknowledge the Stony Nakoda Nation, Sutena, and Métis Nation Region 3. For all of us here at Dork Matters, dork, 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 dork.